We're going to be over in the book of Luke, chapter 14. There was a middle-aged man who was distraught over his wife's stubborn refusal to admit that she had a hearing problem. So one day he asked his family doctor what he should do about it. And so the doctor said, I want you to do this. I want you to head on home there today. And when you come in the door, I want you to say with a loud voice, Honey, what's for dinner? And if she doesn't give you an answer, I want you to move a little closer to where she is, which is probably in the kitchen, and, uh, and call out a little louder. Honey, what's for dinner? If she still doesn't hear you, I want you to get a little bit closer, get into the kitchen, and holler out again. Honey, what's for dinner? And if she still doesn't respond, I want you to get right up close to her, right by her ear, and just say, Honey, what's for dinner? And by then, she'll have to admit she has a hearing problem. So now the husband's excited. He heads on home. He gets through the door. First thing he says, Honey, what's for dinner? And there's no response. So he does what he was told. He gets a little closer to the kitchen. Hollers out, Honey, what's for dinner? Still no response. So he gets into the kitchen. She can see him now. There she is. She's in the kitchen. And he hollers out again, Honey, what's for dinner? She says nothing. So he gets right up to her, right by the ear, just like he was told, and said, Honey, what's for dinner? She turned and looked at him and said, I told you for the fourth time, it's spaghetti. (laughs) Well, sometimes we have problems and we put those problems off on other people, don't we? (laughs) Well, we're looking at some folks that got invited to dinner here today. In Luke chapter 14, verse 1. As before we get there, let's take a look at a couple of verses we had looked at in the past. In Psalm 104, it said, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him, and bless His name. Colossians 3 and verse 15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and... Be thankful. Oh, we got to be more thankful. If we just pick up that, that practice of staying and remaining thankful at all times. Because the Word of God says to give thanks most of the time. Always. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But thanks be to God, which is present tense means we are giving thanks now who gives us the victory. That's future tense. So we don't have the victory yet, but we still give thanks. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. God always leads us in triumph. So let's give thanks to Him. Too often we come to prayer without the idea that He always leads us in triumph. Because we're looking at something and say, Oh, I think I'm going to die on this one. I think this one's going to take me down. But thanks be to God who always gives us the victory. So that's where we need to stay. Here in Luke chapter 14. Now it happened as He went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely. And behold, there was a certain man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus answering spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Notice that it says, And Jesus, what? 
And Jesus answering. What did they ask? You don't answer someone unless they ask, do you? Otherwise, it would be Jesus saying. But if Jesus answered, what did they ask? They may not have asked it out loud, but He's looking at stuff. How many like that uh, football commercial? I love football commercials. And even if you don't like football, you can love football commercials. There's that one with the guy who's got all the hair. And he comes up and the guy's interviewing him about the game. And he starts telling him about his, his shampoo that he uses. And he asks another question about the game. And he answers more questions about his shampoo that he uses. And he says, I'm not asking about your hair. He says, aren't you? You asked with your eyes, I think he said one time. <laughs> it's just funny. I mean, that boy, he has got a lot of hair. I don't know why he'd want that much hair to have to stuff it underneath the helmet, but he does. And he enjoys it, and it's a fun commercial. Sometimes we ask questions different than what we are saying. These folks didn't say anything, but still a question was asked, and Jesus answered, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They may have been asking things like, I wonder if he's going to heal this boy. I wonder if we've got him in a position where he can't heal this one. Where we can find out some things about his beliefs. Some things that he's contrary to us on. Could have been asking all kinds of things. and they, But they kept silent. And he took him and healed him and let him go. Then he answered them, saying, Which of you, having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit, will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him regarding these things. Well, let's take a look at this. First off, Jesus has an invite to dinner. Apparently, it was an invite that the people that were throwing the dinner were not the most gracious of hosts. How many have ever been invited to a dinner and you knew that the people just either gave you a sympathy invitation or you know you, you had to come for some reason or another and you knew when you got there you weren't really welcome, but you were there. And Jesus knows He's not really welcome here, but He's there. He has an invitation. Somehow He got an invitation to come on the Sabbath day. But it seems that someone else got an invitation too. Somehow, the man with dropsy was there. More than likely, he was invited for dinner for the purpose of testing Jesus and putting him before Jesus. Otherwise, they may not have paid him a whole lot of attention. They're watching Jesus throughout the meal. Watching Jesus throughout this time of breaking bread to see what Jesus would do. It would seem that Jesus waited until the meal was at least mostly done, partially done, or somewhere into the meal because after he healed the man, he let him go. And the man did leave. But he says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Since they couldn't answer him, he went ahead and healed him. So we had a, he had dinner at the home of one of the rulers of the Pharisees. There was a certain man. This man had dropsy, but he also had an invitation. Sometimes people just like to get you around people that might get you in trouble. And all the Pharisees are watching him. They gave Jesus an invitation to dinner. But it's not necessarily that they were grateful about Jesus, that they wanted to learn anything from Him. They invited Jesus to dinner on the Sabbath. The day was in particularly kept in mind. There were other Pharisees present and this man. So this is how they set it up. Now, were they thankful that Jesus came to dinner? How many have ever had a dinner and you knew you had to invite somebody and you did and they didn't come and you were thankful they did not come? Oh, I'm so sorry you can't make it. You've been th- you were thankful they did not come. Well, they wanted Jesus to come, but they were not thankful that He was in attendance. 
They wanted him to be there for other reasons. Were they grateful for the opportunity to learn from the Master? If you had an opportunity to have Jesus come to dinner, would your goal be to test Him? No, your goal would be, boy, what can we learn? What kind of things can He teach us? Maybe He's got some things in mind that He wants to share with us. Oh, this is going to be good. I can't wait for dinner. Jesus is going to share some things with us. Maybe there's a particular teacher that you enjoy a whole lot. And you gave them an invitation to dinner and they accepted. And they were coming over to dinner. Oh, they're coming over to dinner. Oh, this is good. Oh, what kind of things can we ask? What kind of things would this teacher say? And you would hang on those words. You'd be grateful that that person's coming. Grateful for the opportunity to learn. But these folks weren't. They didn't see Him as the Master and they weren't grateful to learn from Him. No, they were not grateful. No, they were not thankful. Because in their minds, they were exalted and Jesus was criticized. Well, in their own minds, they had exalted themselves. In their own minds, they had exalted themselves. They saw themselves as big. They saw their views as important. They saw their views as right. Therefore, Jesus was not going to teach them anything. So they were not grateful for Jesus to come over. In their minds, Jesus was criticized. Who is this guy? He doesn't have anything to teach us. He doesn't have anything to help us with. Who is this guy? Well, in their own minds, they were exalted and Jesus was crucified. I wrote this in your outline too. I wanted you to see this. We accept or fix what we love and appreciate. We accept or fix what we love and appreciate. How many of you have had a car and you like that car and that car is getting a little broken down? What do you do with that car? You, you, you try and fix it, don't you? you? You fix those things that you can on the thing because you like the car. You want to keep the car around. If there are some things that you can't fix, if there are some things that just because the car is old, but you still like the car, don't you just accept those things? Don't you just say, well, it doesn't quite have the interior that this one has, but I like, the, I like this car. I love this car. I will accept it as it is. So the things that we really love and appreciate, we either accept as they are or we fix them if we can. The rest we criticize and denounce. That's what we do with the rest of them. You know, if you've got some little gadget at home and it's, uh, it, you know, it serves a function and it does something it's supposed to do, and as long as it does it, you keep it around. But as soon as it stops doing it, if it's not a gadget that you love and appreciate, you toss it. This can opener doesn't work. We'll get one that does. I got no particular attachment to this can opener. One's as good as another. This toaster doesn't work. Throw it out. Why bother to fix it? Right? This microwave oven doesn't work. It was cheap. We found it at a yard sale. Let's go find another one at another yard sale. Doesn't matter to me. Microwave's a microwave. A toaster's a toaster. A can opener's a can opener. No big deal. But if you get a a gadget, and either you can't find that gadget anymore or you just really enjoy what this thing can do. What do you do about it? Fix it. You're, I'm going to find a way to get this thing going again. Oh, I need what this thing does in the kitchen. I need what this thing does in the house. I need what this thing does for my car. 
this is important. We need to get this thing going right. What we love, folks, we fix or we accept. But what we don't love, we criticize or denounce. Because there's a replacement right around the corner. There's something better out there. The Pharisees did not love Jesus. Therefore, they did not accept Him as He was. They didn't even want to fix anything. Not that Jesus needed fixing. But they weren't even going to look at that. You know, if you've got a teacher that you like and that teacher has some quirks about him, you can't fix that teacher, but you can just accept it. You can just say, well, that's just the way that he is. That's just the way that she is. That's just how they do things. And that's fine. I got one, uh, one guy I listen to a lot and uh, he's got a particular laugh. And it can get irritating after a while. But it's fine. I say, you know what? I'm not, I don't even let that bother me. Because I so enjoy the word that he brings. Big deal. And I just, I don't focus on the laugh. If I did focus on the laugh, I, it probably would irritate me. But I don't. I just I focus on the word. Oh, look at the word that this one's bringing out. This is good. We accept or fix what we love and appreciate. The rest we criticize and denounce. There were those who once loved and appreciated Jesus, who later denounced Him, weren't there? Weren't there some, they started off in the area, they loved and appreciated Jesus, but then they began to flow over to that area where they began to denounce Him. Began to put Him down. Walked away. How did we get from that place where we loved and appreciated a thing to where we would denounce it? Well, look at yourself. How many of you had a car when you first got that car? Oh, that car was great. That car was everything. That was a good car. And then you've had it for a couple of years. It's got a little worn. A little worn on the inside. A little worn on the outside. And other cars have shown up. And you appreciate the other cars better. So what happens? Our eyes get focused on something else. And our love switches. We begin to love this over here more. And this over here less. And it's easier then to denounce this and to put this down. And to walk away from this. Because we're going after this. What happened with those people was Jesus was no longer the teacher. He was no longer the master. He was no longer Lord. Something else appeared that was better. Something else came out that was better. And when that happens, you're no longer thankful for the thing that you have. You don't become thankful for that thing anymore. You looked at something else. And your focus is over on here. On this one. I can have this now. And see, that's what the devil wants to try and do. That's what he did way back when we started this series. We looked at Adam and Eve. How Eve was in the garden and they had all these trees to focus on. All these trees to eat. And he got their focus over on the one that they were not allowed to eat. And what they were missing out on because they weren't eating it. And all of a sudden, as a as thankful as they were for all the trees in the garden, now they were suddenly unthankful for them and envious of this one that they couldn't have. And that's what the devil wants to try and do with us. He wants to get us into a place where we despise what we once loved. That doesn't happen overnight. It takes a little bit of time. And he's patient. He'll wear it away a little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. Put a little bit more in there. He, does, he knows that Jesus isn't going, isn't going to go from hero to enemy all at once. 
But if you can just push them down a little bit more, a little bit, then a little bit more, and then a little bit more, and a little bit more, then pretty soon something else can be elevated in its place. And you go after that. And you're not as thankful for Jesus. You're not as thankful for what He does, for what He brings. Let's take a look at the seating here because we're going to learn some things as we keep on going through this. So he told a parable to those who were invited when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down at the best places, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, Give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down to the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, Friend, go up higher. Then you have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then he also said to him who invited him, When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed beyond, because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So what he's saying here is, when you head on in, you walk on into a dinner, and you have all the seats, and apparently the way they had seating out there, there were seats of honor and seats of, of lesser honor, all the way on down to the least of the seats. And we may not have that as much in, in our society, but they certainly had it then so that when you walked in, you could see and you would know what the higher seats were. And he says, don't go up there and take one of the higher seats because if you do so, you have the attitude that says, I deserve to be sitting here. I deserve to be in this place. And then when you sit there, someone else comes along and, and they found someone who deserved that seat more than you did. And by that point, other people had been coming on in because you know the most deserving always come late. I mean, isn't that the way that it is? They know that they have their seat already saved for them. Why in the world get there early? So the, the more deserving ones, they get there later. So now all the other seats are taken up. And so they say, I, I need this seat for this one. He's a dignitary and well, we, we got to move you. And so they, they move you and you take the, you know, the walk of shame and head on back from there because now everybody's sitting down, everybody's looking. Oh, they got to move him. He's not in the right spot. It's not a fun, fun uh, thing to do. It's not a fun place to go. But then they walk on down. He says, when you do that, don't take the higher seats. Take the lower end seats. Take the seats that are the lowest. Now, if you're going to do that, you're going to have an attitude that first off says, I don't deserve to be here and I don't deserve to have one of those higher seats. I'm just so grateful for the dinner invitation. You know, the food at this chair is just as good as the food at that chair. And I'm just so grateful for being in here. It's such a great place to be. It's such an honor to be able to be here and to sit and to eat. Glory to God. That's the attitude that we should come in with. That's a grateful attitude. That's an attitude of thankfulness. That's an attitude that says, Glory to God. All the time. Always giving praise to God. Just comes on in giving praise to God. Instead of coming in and says, Now, what is the seat that is due my honor? What is the seat that is due my position? Evaluating that and sitting down and maybe getting it wrong. See, that's an attitude that we have to have. 
when we come into any situation, if we come in with a thankful attitude, if we come with a grateful attitude, I am just grateful to be at this dinner. Do you know who's going to be here? So-and-so is going to be here. So-and-so is going to be here. Oh, I can learn some things from them. Oh, maybe I'll get to ask a question for this one over here. Oh, maybe they'll, they'll have something to say. Oh, and we look forward to that. We're so grateful for that, that going on. So he says, don't do that. Don't take the higher seats. Get on da- down there. Now, if you take too low seat, the, the head guy comes in and he sees you sitting at the low end of the seats. He says, hold on a minute. You are a guest of honor. You have done all these things in my life. You have sown all these things in my life. I did not call you to this dinner to sit here. I wanted this dinner to honor you and to elevate you. Please come here and then let someone else elevate you. Now, here's, a, here's an attitude he doesn't talk about, but you know can certainly come in. The person comes on in and takes the lower seat and says, I'm just waiting. They're going to come get me. They're going to, come, they're going to move me up. I just know it. I'm just waiting to be elevated in front of all these people. They're all going to see that I am someone important. And no one comes. What happens to that person then? How dare they? They left me sit here in the lowest of seats. I was supposed to be moved up. How come I didn't get moved up? Oh, I'm mad with this person now. They didn't come in with a grateful, thankful attitude. They came with an attitude that says, I deserve something and I'm going to let someone else give it to me. And that's the wrong attitude to have. Don't have that attitude. Be grateful. Be thankful all the time. All the time be grateful. All the time be thankful. All the time. Just come on in and just when you sit down in the lower seats, just thank you God that I have a seat. Thank you that I'm here. Oh, this is good to be here. Well, he then goes on. When you give a dinner, don't just ask people they are going to ask you back. Invite people out who can't prepare you. Can't do anything for you. That's who you should ask. Why? Because I'm grateful. Because I'm thankful. You see, a person who's just inviting out those people who are going to ask them back, they're, 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 expect, they're expecting something. I'm going to invite you so that you invite me. Then you can honor me when I come to your place. And I'll honor you when you come here. Don't be having these kind of attitudes. If you have a truly grateful, thankful attitude, then every place that you walk into, you are fully satisfied with the lowest of seats, with the least honor, with the least amount being bestowed upon you. You are just glad to be there. And when you leave, you don't have a thought. I thought they were going to elevate. I thought they were going to honor me a little bit more than that. You don't have the thought at all. You're just happy to just go. And boy, that was a good, wasn't that a good meal? Boy, you see all the folks that were there. Wasn't it great to see all those folks there and to hear some of the things they had to say? Oh, what a fun time that was. That's the attitude he has. But he doesn't finish here. He then goes on with another story. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And sent his servant at supper. I'm sorry, sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But when they all, with one accord, began to make excuses, the first said to him, I have brought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to 
have me excused. Now notice, these are all in one accord. In one accord, apparently every single one of them got to a place where they had an excuse. They had a reason for getting out of this. With one accord. How often, how often do you have a dinner and everyone can't make it? Everyone. With one accord, they all did. Now, let me, how many football fans do we have here? A couple of football fans? I don't know about you, but uh, one of the things I tape beside the football game itself is I like the guys on Fox before the game, the pregame show. I don't like the guys on the CBS show. Except for the guy who had headed the table, who used to head the table over to Fox. Fox ought to get him back again. Oh, I forgot his name. What was his name again? What, you all remember? I can't think of his name now. Anyway, he was good heading up. To, I liked him heading up that table. Oh, he was fun. Then when he went away, they got somebody in. They got Joe Buck in for a year. Dear Lord, that was terrible. <laughs> <clears throat> and then they got another guy. And the other guys, he's almost as good. He's just not quite there, but almost as good. But the other four guys... I just enjoy the way they interact with each other. I enjoy some of the things they bring out. I mean, even Coach Johnson. I didn't think I would enjoy Coach Johnson out there at all. But I can, I can enjoy them. And so I actually tape that show to see what's going on. I don't know if you all do, but I tape that. I don't get to watch it until Monday. So they do these parts where they do the predictions of the games. And I already know who won. So I say, ah, you lost. <laughs> I already know who won on the thing. But it's so funny. They got into this thing this year where it seemed like for some of the games, all five of the guys would pick the same team. And whenever they did, that team seemed to lose. It just seemed to work out that way. Every single time, almost every single time, that all five guys picked the same team to win, that team lost. And so it got to be a joke as the season went on, and it began to say, all right, well, we know um, that everybody's in agreement here, so we're in trouble. <laughs> Put your money on the other side. And they would uh, go on about that. So when you see one accord, I mean, it's, it's unusual that everyone's in one accord. That everyone's all on the same page. Generally, apparently, you know, for the guys on Fox, it's not a good thing. And it's not a good thing here. They are all in agreement, all in one accord, all doing the same thing, coming up with an excuse why they can't be there. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. We went over these before. We've, we're not getting into the different kinds of excuses they have. We're just looking at the overall picture here of this. The first said, I bought a piece of ground. I must go see it. No one, of course, buys a piece of ground and doesn't see it. The other said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them. I don't think that anyone would buy a car without test driving it first. I don't think you would buy some oxen without testing them out either. I've never bought oxen. Still another said, I have married a wife and I need to go see what she looks like. <laughs> well, I don't know what that was all about, but I have married a wife, I can't come. Well, generally marriages are pretty well planned in advance. But anyway, here's the different excuses. And basically, he's just throwing out all these excuses to let you all know that you know, people can come up with all kinds of excuses why they can't do what they said they were going to do, why they aren't doing what they are, are supposed to do and so forth. So that servant came and reported these things to the master. And the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city. Bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out 
into the highways and hedges and compelled them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. So now he says, go out there and get the poor, the lame, the blind. Get all these folks out there and bring them in. You know why? Because the people that he invited apparently accepted the invitation and thought, hey, this would be a good idea. But apparently they they found better things to do with their time. To them, the dinner was an event. It was an event. But it was not an exalted event. It was just an event. Oh, it's a dinner. All right. Well, you know, yeah, sure, we'll come. And they're thinking, well, you know, as long as something else doesn't come up, as long as something else doesn't, you know, happen that we need to, to go, are they grateful for the invitation? Are they thankful for the invitation? No, they probably feel like, well, we deserve to be invited. If you're going to have a dinner like that, we deserve to be invited. Of course, we should be there. And then we'll decide whether we'll grace you with our presence or not. Ah, oh, you know what? I got some oxen. I got to go check them out. Well, you know, this is a piece of ground and I want to see it before it moves. <laughs> it was easy for other things to be exalted over it. Because to them, it was just an event. It was just an event. That's just like, you know, for some people, if you've ever had a car, that's special. Oh, I love that car. Oh, that car is a good car. It's a special car. It's a car that you've liked for a long time, had for a long time. And when the repairman says it's going to cost you a thousand dollars to fix it, fix it. Get it ready. Why? Because it's a special car. If it's not a special car, they say a thousand dollars, trade in. Trade in time. What can we get for it? Because it's not a special car. But you know, some of these, some uh, folks are out there, especially we're getting ready to go to the auto show next month. And you'll see some people that walk around there who value cars differently than other people do. And they're out there looking at cars and you know, cars are a huge thing in their life. They're big things. They collect cars. Not much is elevated over cars for them. We had to get to the place where Jesus, His Word, His presence, being, it, being honored by Him is worth everything to us. I'm thankful because Jesus, you've come and you've spoken to me. You've shared with me. Oh, you woke me up in the middle of the night last night and shared some things to my spirit. Oh, I was so, I was so honored that you did that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, an ungrateful person. Lord, couldn't just wait until the morning. I mean, 8 a.m. is just as fine a time as 2 a.m. in the morning. Why couldn't you come at 8 a.m.? I'm wide awake at 8 a.m. I'm ready to write stuff down. But no, you come at 2 a.m. Is that a grateful person? Is that a person who's thankful for revelation that they've received? No. They're not. We've got to have, we've got to cultivate that attitude that says, I am grateful for whatever it is that God brings to me. I am so thankful for the times that He speaks to me. I am so thankful. When He speaks to me, I write the words down. I look at them often. I cherish those words. 
someone that Connie and I enjoyed a lot when we went out to Winter Bible Seminar. He would always bring out some, some things there. was uh, Brother Keith Moore. And Brother Keith Moore, when he was uh, going to Ramah, he had, he had a couple of words dropped down on the inside of him. He says, uh, uh, I, forget, I forget exactly how he phrased it, but it was really short. He says, basically, I want you to help Brother Hagin. It was shorter than that. I made it wordier or something like, you know, help Brother Hagin or, or whatever it was. And he says, that was the directive we had for ministry for over 20 years. That's all he got. Help Brother Hagin. And at one point, they had gotten into their own ministry and they had uh, left Ramah and they were off doing some other things. And, and it came to him and said, did I ever tell you to stop? And he said, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> and they immediately got right back on it. Says, uh, they just show up sometimes at some of his uh, Brother Hagin's meetings and say, what do you need? And whatever they needed, they were there to help out. Sometimes, you know, God will speak some things to us. Won't be a whole lot of words, but He'll speak some things to us. We gotta honor those words. We gotta reverence those words. Whatever He said to do, you stay with it. You do it. You honor it. You take those words that He spoke to you. And He says, do this. And you do that until the cows come home. You do that. You sell yourself out to that. Father God, I will do this for an eternity. If you'd never tell me anything else. Because I honor, I value the words that you've spoken to me. When you have said, do this, I will do this. I will not stop. I will keep going. But see, people who don't honor and reverence the word of God, when God has spoken some things to them and revealed some things to them, they'll drop it as soon as a better offer comes along. As soon as they hear something, well, this sounds better. I like that over there. Well, look at that. And they, they, they pursue after these kind of things. Don't do that. No. When God has said something, honor and revere the words that He gives you and you stay with it. Brother Hagin himself would tell us that the words he was given to, by God was, teach my people faith. That's the ministry directive he went on for many, many years. Teach my people faith. God is always a person of few words. What was his words to Moses? Set my people free. <laughs> he is not one of, of really long words. We were having a conversation this week about some of that. Some of the documents that have been coming out of Congress are thousands of pages long. Our founding fathers wrote our entire directive on one page. But now we're putting out bills and things thousands of pages long. Now, we put our, our country directive out on one page. God's better than that. Generally, very short sentences. And go through the Word of God and take a look at some of the commands He has given to His people. And they're, they're short. He doesn't generally give long paragraphs. He just gives short sentences. Do this. And we've got to do that. Hang on what God says. When God says, and, and don't, don't get this part, well, God hasn't spoken to me. He's spoken in His Word. Give thanks always. Rejoice in the Lord. These are short directives. But take them. Honor them. Do not let anything become exalted over them. Focus on them. Father God, this is what you said. In your word. You spoke this in your word to me. I will not let this go. I will hold on to this. I will keep this going. Oh, keep that, keep that happening. 
Don't let it go. Don't let it go. These folks had other things that could be elevated. When he went out and he got the poor, he got the lame, he got the blind, he got people who basically had nothing going on in their life and therefore nothing would be exalted over it. But eventually, when you get people like that, they, they eventually become busy. Once they get on with God and God begins to bless them and God begins to give them things and direct their life and take some things over, then with those blessings come distractions. And they can become distracted by them as well. Don't ever let that happen. God wants to bring you in. When he, generally, when He brought us in, we didn't have a whole lot out there to distract us. But now we're getting busy doing things for God. Now we're getting busy doing things with the blessings He's given us. Don't, don't let that happen that way. Stay with it. Stay with it. I wrote this in the application part. But in my life, I can be exalted or things or animals or other people. We look around in this world and we see that people exalt themselves, don't they? Look at the magazines we have on the shelf. Self. Right? Self magazine. That's one of them. There's some other ones out there. Us. Them. Not too many of them magazines. Mostly it's about me, myself, us folks. But we can elevate things. We can elevate ourselves and we can elevate things. They have magazines all over on the shelf about workouts. How you can make yourself look this way. How you can make yourself look better than the other person over here. But then we begin to have things and we have all kinds of stuff that helps us elevate things. Make the things better. Money is one of the things. We elevate money in our life. We elevate stuff. Fashion. Cars. All kinds of... We can elevate all these things and get them into higher places. Animals. There's people who give more rights to animals than people. But this earth was, given, was created for us. I take care of animals. I even take care of cats. I don't step on them much. No, I don't step on them at all. You know, I... We don't need to be out there messing with them, but understand, this place was created for us. This is ours. Glory to God. Don't elevate them over. The Word of God talks about that in Romans. That people are elevating the created things over the Creator. In my life, I can be exalted or things or animals or other people. Sometimes we just get into a place and other people become exalted. Instead of God. But it's God that is to be exalted. If God is not exalted above all, then I will find myself at some point like those who reject the invitation. You've got to exalt God above all things. There is nothing that should come in your life exalted before God. God should be exalted above all. God is the highest. He must always stay the highest. And we must always do maintenance in our own life to make sure that God stays highest. When we wake up in the morning, I remember His words, give thanks always. So I wake up in the morning and I give thanks. I'm going around in the afternoon and I'm still giving thanks. No matter what it is that comes my way, thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Even when something really crazy is going on with the heater right now. Make it say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm not outside. <laughs> we could be outside. But we're not. We're in here. But don't let other things become exalted. Don't let anything come in the way between you and God. Always exalt the words that He has given you. The things that He has spoken to you, write them down. Keep them in a place where you always elevate them. You're going over them. Father God, you spoke these things to me. Father God, you've done these miracles in my life. You've blessed me with these things over here. And we never forget the blessings. We never forget those things. We're always exalting them. And I always stay grateful. I'll never find myself... If I stay in this attitude, I will never find myself like the Israelites who wandered in the wilderness, found themselves with no water, and immediately cursed God. Because I'm always grateful. Father God, I am so grateful. Glad to be alive. Glad to be here. Glad that you just... You, you set us free out of Egypt. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Just giving thanks to God. Oh, we just do stuff like that. God looks down there and says, Moses, just get out of the way. I'm just going to drop water on him. <laughs> God wants to, wants to do that. He likes it when people just stay thankful. But the devil wants to find a way to take God, Jesus, the Word of God, and downgrade them in your life. And he knows he can't do it all at once. But if he can do it just a little bit at a time, and then eventually find something that he can put in that place above. And no longer are you doing what God has said to do. No longer are you honoring the Word the way that you should. No long, longer are you pursuing the Word the way you were. Now you're pursuing some other things. Other stuff has come in. Don't give in to that. Hold, hold true to it. Be grateful. Be thankful all the time. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. That should be our state. It is so imperative that we maintain this attitude. Because if we maintain an attitude of gratefulness, thankfulness, rejoicing, the devil can't get in. He can't get in. He has got to find some way to make you ungrateful. Some way to make you ungrateful for your spouse. Some way to become ungrateful for your kids. Some way to become ungrateful for your house. Some way to become ungrateful for the car that you have. Some way to become ungrateful for the situation that you're in. Some way to become ungrateful for your job. Some way to become ungrateful for the blessings God has put on you. How Somehow it's not enough. Somehow it should have been more. All he has to do is begin to get your attention to focus away on Father God, my husband, my wife is a blessing to me. My children are a blessing to me. My dog is a blessing to me. My house is a blessing to me. My job is a blessing to me. My co-workers, they're a blessing to me. My neighbors, they are a blessing to me. Thank you, Father God. And rejoice always. And the devil cannot get in. There is a reason why we find this command constantly in the Word of God. Give thanks always. Rejoice in the Lord always. We've seen it so many different times. Enter into His gates with... And into his courts with? 
These are commands we need to honor. And if we just always stay in that state, not saying, oh, I deserve better. I should be getting more. Staying in that place that says, Father God, I deserve nothing. Oh, it is so good to be in the presence of God. Even if I'm in the lowest seat at the table, I'm here at the presence of God. Thank you, Father. We just continually give Him praise. When we see another person being elevated above us, glory to God. Look at that. They get to move a little closer. Isn't that neat? And we just stay grateful and stay thankful. But immediately the devil wants to come in and say, that should be you. How come you're not being elevated to a higher place? Why aren't you being? Don't let that come in. That's an ungrateful, unthankful attitude. Don't let it come in. You just stay there and say, thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father. Oh, it's so good to be in the family of God. It's so good to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's so good to hear the words of the Holy Spirit as they echo in me. Oh, He brings revelation to me. Glory to God. It is so good to have received salvation. It is so good to be saved in this world. I didn't deserve salvation. Jesus just bestowed that on me, made it available. Glory to God brought me in the knowledge of it and I was able to accept it. Oh, I thank you for the things I've been learning. I've been growing in you, Father God. Glory to your name. Thank you for, thank you for the people that you put around us. Thank you for the teachers you brought along my way. Thank you, Father, for the help that you've given me. Oh, I appreciate so far. Oh, look how far I've come. Look how far I have to go, but look how far I've come. Oh, glory to God. There is so much more to be learned about you, God, and I thank you for the things you have in my future to help me learn even more. I'll never become satisfied with the knowledge I have of God. I'm always pursuing after more, but I am so grateful and so thankful for what I have come to know. Oh, glory to God. Stay with that attitude. Oh, it is so important in our own lives. Would you all stand up with me? We're on the first Sunday of the month. This is the time we celebrate communion. This is for those who are born again and received Jesus in the heart to remember the work that Jesus has done for them. That when Jesus came on the, to die for us, He came with a purpose. And He says it's really easy for us to forget that purpose, so I want you to go over it on a regular basis. So He didn't tell us how often to go over it. Some places do it every week. Some places do it every month. Some places do it other different times. There's no right or wrong way to do it. He just said, keep doing it. So as long as you keep doing it, you're all right. <laughs> We're going to keep being remembrance of what the things our God has done. Stay in remembrance. The Word of God says that when you receive the Last Supper, the communion, He says, evaluate yourself. Judge yourself. Am I where I need to be? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Do I have unforgiveness in my, in my heart towards others? If I do, let it go. Let it go immediately. Don't hang on to it. Shouldn't have hung on to it that long. Let it go. But that's something we have to do ourselves. And then we go on through and we look at the things that He's done. As we said, Jesus breaks this up into two parts.